Eat, drink, smoke, or eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz, that's Fingers Malloy. Virtual because of coronavirus ridiculousness. It's time to get the country back open. It's not ridiculous that people are dying. It's ridiculous, possibly, and I'm saying probably, and I'm saying yes. You know what? Forget the possibly and probably. Yes, as how we have responded. I will, I, I'm going to prove my case today. No doubt about it. Now, Fingers is at his home. I am at my home. We each have our drinks. I am doing the Hotel Tango Bravo bourbon. Now, this is a bourbon that comes out of the Indianapolis uh, area. Of course, bourbon is 51% corn. First-use American charred oak barrel can only be reduced for proof uh, by water, and that's uh, it. This is a 7-year-old at 90 proof, usually something that older. A little, that little bit older, you can probably get a bigger proof out of it. This is uh, 90 proof, so 45% uh, alcohol by by volume. Um, we've actually been to their distilling facility and and tried this and and what they their their cherry liqueur that they unleashed and and their orange cello and their their lemon cello. They absolutely do terrific. It's it's nice and citrus uh, on, on the nose. Um, I always thought that this was stronger than its proof allowed for, but I've had so much more since then, I don't know. So this is the first time I've really had it since that occasion, and that's almost a year ago now. So that's that's what I've got uh, as I sit on on the deck. What are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking a local brewery here in Indiana. It's from Brown County, the Quaff On Brewery Company. They are uh, the proud makers of Busted Knuckle Porter, which is one of my favorite beers uh, it's a dark beer, obviously, because it's a porter. It has kind of uh, caramel molasses flavor to it. Uh, it's fantastic. A 7.2% alcohol by volume. So it's got a little kick to it. Busted Knuckle is 7.2? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Busted Knuckle is, is terrific. So Quaffon is a big uh, brewery down in the Bloomington area where Indiana University is uh, very, very well known. They've got restaurants they now have across uh, – Central Indiana called Big Woods. Uh, so that whole brewery is part of of Quaffon and, and everything they put out there. I think it's a terrible name. I think Quaffon and Busted Knuckle are two of the worst names ever for anything having to do with beer. Nothing about that is appetizing, but the beer itself is terrific. It is fantastic. Uh, I, I love a porter stout. Uh, you know, to me, I, I know some people complain when they're drinking a stout that they only can have one or two because they're really filling, but I can drink stouts all day and so a porter has that kind of stout darkness to it but it's a little lighter and uh i i I love the busted knuckle so we're both i don't know about you Uh, i am under the opinion that if you are sick you should stay home if you are ill you should stay home if you have coronavirus or some symptoms you should allow yourself to be in quarantine but locking down the nation has been just a miserable maneuver. It, it is not something that we should be proud of. This isn't a country that came together. It very much looks like it's a country that acted out of fear and a lack of knowledge, mainly because as we go further and further into coronavirus, we learn that more and more experts actually knew less and less about what's happening. And the latest was today. We're recording on, on a Sunday. Dr. Anthony Fauci. And I have heard people, especially on the political right, they hate Anthony Fauci. He's terrible. Trump should fire him. He's anti-Trump. And I'm like, look, all I know about the dude is that he was the HIV guy. He is this guy. He's a doctor that that people have listened to. And I don't mind that he might say something that you think Trump wouldn't like. That's not my issue. 
Well, now I'm full on board on the, okay, there's something wrong with Anthony Fauci. He goes on the Sunday shows today, and he's talking about how the country can get opened up and rolling reentry to the country. And then he goes on to say that if we had had earlier mitigation efforts, right, if we indeed had uh, earlier closed the country or shut things down, well, we could have saved lives. Does he not understand how politically that's going to get used in every way, shape, or form? And does he not understand that in January of 2020, he's writing in the New England Journal of Medicine that coronavirus is just a severe strain of the flu? Wasn't he one of the guys telling us not to worry about this? That you got, you know, you're paying attention, but Americans don't have to really concern themselves with this thing. Now, all of a sudden, it's early mitigation efforts. What would it would have done more for us? This kind of speaking out of both sides of your mouth uh, is is just the kind of ugly I don't want any part of. So no, I, I I'm I'm done with, with Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'm done with the blame game. I'm done with the haters. I can't figure out what he's what he's doing and what he's saying and and why because it he doesn't know that this is going to be used just for political purposes. Of course he does. And I wonder if it's part of this is the sting he got from earlier saying a few of the things that Trump did actually helped flatten the curve when you talk about, say, the the, the travel ban from China. Uh, look, I, I, I'm hesitant about this because it feels like there's a sense there he's firing people left and right. Oh, if someone doesn't agree with him or steps a little bit out of line, the narrative is, uh, you know, oh, he's going to fire you. Uh, I just have a problem with revisionist history. And if if we would have had these lockdowns in January when there was no testing, hardly to speak of, and there was really no evidence there there was there was these projections, there were these projections that okay, it was going to it was going to hit the United States and it was going to hit the United States hard, but without people actually seeing any evidence of the virus in the United States in January. What, what was the president supposed to do? Can you imagine him suggesting, the CDC suggesting all of these stay-in-place orders throughout the whole country? The media would have gone ballistic, and the American people would have as well. So the media goes ballistic on everything. When you say no travel in from China, they called him a xenophobe. It, CNN must accept culpability in what they have done to make people have absolutely no faith in in what media reports. Them and MSNBC and The Washington Post and The New York Times, they refuse to. They actually think they're good and they're decent. They, They have yet to understand that they're the problem, and I am now of the mind that they never will. They will never, ever learn that nobody trusts them, or at least nobody should trust them. Because you were opposed to Trump shutting down travel from China. You said it was going to instigate China. You said that it was xenophobic. And now you want to say that he didn't act early enough. That that one-two punch should only prove to you that you're unserious people. But here's the quote from Fauci. He says to Jake Tapper on CNN, good Lord. Uh, quote, I mean, obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. Now, that in and of itself is a hindsight-looking kind of thing. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty. Well, yeah, I guess you could have. I guess that could have been something that you did. 
He continues by saying no one is going to deny that, but what goes into those decisions is complicated. But you're right. I mean, obviously, if we had right from the very beginning shut everything down, it may have been a little bit different. But there was a lot of pushback about shutting things down back then. That line is the line. You're not going to hear anything else. You're not going to have people actually going back and paying attention to what really happened. All you're going to have is this viciousness of Trump could have shut down earlier. Trump didn't listen to the experts. The experts told you it was a severe strain of the flu. The experts told you on television not to worry about it. The experts told you not to wear masks and then told you to wear masks. The experts put their entire testing facility into what the FDA was doing, into the CDC tests, and none of it worked out. But I'm supposed to now listen to the experts? Now all of a sudden it matters? I am... I am livid by the level of hate we we see and this blame game stuff. No, you know, Pelosi and company, they want to form a a new congressional committee. And the congressional committee would look into coronavirus response like we looked into September 11th response. And bipartisan and and we're going to understand how to do this better. Does anybody think this isn't anything more than a way to bring impeachment again? Does, is there anybody who actually right, I love Trump, hate Trump, don't care? Does anybody think that, that this is anything except a political tool? And we see it again and again and again and again. Nobody wants to learn. No one wants to ask if we did this right. Nobody wants to ask where the failing is and how you make it better. Nobody wants to question whether or not the experts are actually experts. It's only find a clip, use it to blame, get the attack, bring on Biden. This has been such an a weird phenomenon to watch because you have leftists who who can't stand Trump, who have called him a fascist. Looking back now, wanting him to take more of a command over the day to day life of Americans. Unbelievable. It's 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 fascinating, and and now you're seeing state and local government trying to pit citizens against citizens by making you know fight, figuring out ways for you can to rat on your neighbors for going out and violating these uh stay in place orders the the whole thing is bizarre to me and it pr- proves once again that this country is completely divided and nothing can unite us and i'm sure people are looking at this announcement of we're going to have this this panel or this commission to look into uh whether how how uh, the government reacted to the coronavirus and they're thinking uh, looking at it through a political lens and thinking if you're on the left oh this may this may be finally it wasn't Russian collusion <laughs> name the laundry list of stuff abuse of power uh, obstruction of justice oh now it's going to be the coronavirus impeachment that will get him removed from office. I think that people will look at this, like you said, Tony, through a political lens. It's very bizarre to watch what's going on in 2020. Now, you mentioned the stay in place, the stay at home stuff, right? Uh, and there's a difference between stay at home and shelter in place. But for for lack of, of better terminology, we know what they want. They want everyone to stay home. And then they started getting into this thing about Easter. We're actually recording on Easter because I'm Jewish and you are going to hell. Fingers. I think. Thank you. I think the that's the nicest so- thing anything anyone has ever said to me in the last three minutes. <laughs> so you have this guy in Colorado who is playing t-ball with his daughter at a park. The cops show up and say, you can't be here. And he says, I'm not near anybody. What are you talking about? They arrested him in front of his daughter. They cuffed him. 
They put him in the car for 15 minutes, and then they let him go, no apology, no anything. There is not a question in my mind that every cop associated with this, and that they referred to it, the police referred to it as these officers overreached. Every one of those cops should lose their job, lose their pension, and spend five years in jail. I support police officers. I don't support this. I don't support tough guy cops. I don't support cops who don't understand what it is they're doing. And you can't take away the rights of citizens because of a pandemic. These cops should lose their job. This takes us to the governor of Kansas. The governor of Kansas actually won in court. Won in their state Supreme Court an order to limit church gatherings to 10 people. In the state of Indiana, where you and I live, fingers, the governor, Eric Holcomb, a Republican, the governor of Kansas is a Democrat, said that people shouldn't be going to church, they should be having prepackaged communion, and churches shouldn't be open. Now, no word yet on whether or not anybody's gotten arrested at an Indiana church. But you talk about the country being divided, that's one thing. We have a country that says pandemic overrides constitution and all of a sudden religious liberty doesn't exist now it's different you can have the conversation whether or not you think people should go to church but you can't have the conversation about whether people can go to church this stuff is the real ugly even uglier than the, than the political hate the constitution the, hey the constitution is everything but remember when a virus happens it doesn't matter holy crap yeah and What's really chilling about all this is there are too many people in this country that nod along in improvement. Oh, they're thrilled, uh, right? Of improvement, yeah. Oh, you this. can't be going to church. You're going to get people sick. The people who go to church are going to might get each other sick. You're absolutely right. And they might have gotten each other sick with 100 other things in 100 other ways. And if you tell me I can't talk about that because we're only talking about coronavirus, I'll tell you no. There is no hiding under the bed. But most importantly, the rights don't go away because there's a pandemic. If someone wants to go to church, I'm not interested in stopping them. I'll decide whether or not I go. There's the, the power I have. And this is a this is not just a blue state thing. This is a red state thing. Did you see the announcement that the Kentucky governor uh, Bashir made over the weekend? Andy Bashir. He he stated that he didn't want anyone, of course, uh, participating in a mass gathering, uh, and that he was looking into the state recording license plates of any people at mass gatherings, including in-person church services. And he'll give that information. Law enforcement would give that information to local health departments who would order people to be on a 14-day quarantine. I, this, I mean, not to to quote uh, Randy from South Park, but I thought this was America. <laughs> I thought this was America. So these people think that they're doing God's work. They think that they're saving people. They think that they're helping people. Again, so I could be quoted, if you're sick, if you're ill, if you are somebody who is immunocompromised or immunosuppressed, whatever the case may be, I don't think you should be around other people. You want to go to church, go to church. I still, in a pandemic, believe in individual responsibility. I am convinced of its efficacy. 
I am convinced that when people act, good things happen. And when government is limited, good things happen. If only because when government was in full force, you couldn't get a test done or approved through the FDA. When the regulation was removed, we got testing all over the place in labs that could do anything. So it's just some of the of the proof. When, when you needed masks, regulations said that masks used by construction workers couldn't be used by hospital workers. When you got rid of the regulation... We started pushing out masks like it was our job. Now, you can argue that we have to look at government response. You have to look at government stockpiles, both federally and at the state level, and ask yourself, what does it actually mean to be prepared? By the way, you can't be prepared for everything. If you have 10 million masks, good to go. But if something happens where you need 20 million masks, were you really deficient by not having 20 million masks? Or is it possible some things you can't be totally prepared for, which somehow Americans have forgotten? You can't prepare for everything. Sometimes bad things will happen, and you got to roll with it and fight through it the very best you can. But your conversation, this conversation, is to the idea that the state doesn't have this right. The governor of Kentucky, who they, who just got elected, right? Matt Bevin was so bad, this guy doesn't think you should be able to go to church, and we should check your license plates because the Gestapo had it right. And if you don't think that uh, that analogy is acceptable, well, I'm sorry. Then, then we can't be friends because that analogy is the only analogy that counts. A religious freedom matters. And the other part, if only because the Constitution says so, right? The other part of it is people don't quite understand the American psyche. So there are people in New York Right. It's it, they're supposed to be the, the woke people. They're supposed to be the, the cultured people. And of course, that's where you have a majority of the cases. Part of it, because New York City, everyone lives on top of each other. That's the way it goes. The other part of it is they're not really paying attention to social distancing at all. They're not paying attention at all to the point where there are people sneaking onto golf courses to play. Right. They they're all they're, they, they all want this this leftist agenda. And I don't mean to get political here, but it, you, we're talking about New York politics, so you know it's true. They all want uh, this this quasi-socialism, but they all still want to be able to play golf. So what is it that they're really after? I am hoping in one of these great silver lining moments that are possible from coronavirus, and we're not neither fingers or I are saying, you know, it isn't horrible. People are indeed dying, and I have questions about all of those numbers, and I'm not doubting the numbers of people who have been affected by coronavirus. I want to know some of the underlying things, right? Coronavirus very rarely is killing somebody who was totally healthy. There's usually some other, they refer to it, I think, as a comorbidity, right? What was some underlying health cause uh, that, that they had or health issue uh, that they had? I think that data is going to matter greatly. We know that people who are obese have a tougher time dealing with coronavirus, and I've talked to ER docs who tell you, oh, yeah, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. The fatter you are, the the more difficulty you're going to have with this thing, as you're going to have difficulty with all sorts of things. But when New Yorkers are saying, hey, let's sneak on to golf courses because we don't want to listen, it only goes to this, this bigger point that I don't think Americans know what they are anymore. There's a great swath of America that... They want to push these socialist ideas. They want to push these these um, larger government-esque programs, but they don't want to be limited from getting onto a golf course. So the question is, what are you? What is it that you actually believe? What is it that actually matters to you? And I am wondering or hoping that what we get to, especially I mean, even in this religious freedom conversation, which goes the other way, is, is, a, is a reckoning. Right? If you're a Christian in America 
and they told you you can't go to church, what's your response? Are you willing to fight or not? There is a pastor in Mississippi who was doing drive-through church. Okay, who am I to say? Give, give it a shot. See, see what happens. Knock yourself out. Drive-through church. And the police showed up to say um, that we're going to give people the right to go home, but if they don't leave, we're going to give them a ticket. We're going to ticket them for showing up to drive through church. And then another cop said, according to the governor, your rights have been suspended. You're right. That cop <laughs> should have been laughing in his face. And then I want to see a thousand parishioners or however many go to this church stand up and say no and literally push back on the cop. And if you're saying, are you saying you should attack cops? No, I'm not saying you should attack cops. I am saying you have to push back on those people who think they have the ability to suspend your rights. They're wrong and they have to be told. And you have to understand that they, because they wear a uniform or carry a firearm, do not get to decide for you. So as much as I'm saying this about the political left and their reckoning, we're the country that went after the British because they taxed tea. They ta the Stamp Act was enough to say, screw you, King George. And we have people telling us our rights to re our, our, our religious liberty is suspended because of, of a pandemic where more than or at least approximately half the cases are in one part of the country, the New York tri-state area. And we're like, oh, OK, what the hell? So I'm hoping well, for a reckoning both ways. You're talking about the 1700s, Tonys. I think it, in today's world, there would be a large segment of the population that would say, you know, Tony, you really shouldn't be drinking tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for you. No, it's, it's socialism, government control for thee, but not for me. With the people in New York, they are – Voting for the type of people that want this kind of government to control, to control the dummies. But, hey, I'm a smart guy. I can go out on a golf course. I'll keep away from people. Well, they don't like it when they're the ones being told to go home. Uh, it's it's simply – have you been out at all, Tony? Oh, I'm out, I'm out everywhere. I'm walking so, the streets. I'm making cash. <laughs> what do you mean have I, have I been out? Like, like what do you mean oh, by out? Well, I'll give you a, a, a quick story. I had to go to Lowe's the other day. Uh, because there oh, was, you, you're uh, going to hell, man. I know. Well, this was actually something I needed to do. I had a, a broken dryer vent on the outside of my house and I could see a bird trying to get in and I did not want a big, I have one nest. too. Oh my gosh. I have one too. We had a hailstorm here a few days ago, which was completely insane. I thought we ran to the basement. I thought it was the end of the world. I never saw yeah. anything like it and noticed that our dryer vent has a huge, uh, the, the, the casing, the, the cage over it has a yeah. huge crack. So I got to get a new one. So pick me one up. Uh, if, if you go back <laughs> next time I go back, I'll pick you one up. Thank so, you. you know, I'm getting ready to leave and my daughter makes me one of these CDC approved masks. And I oh, look at awesome. it I'm like, okay, I'll put it on because if I don't and I catch something, then I'll be the jerk that ignored his daughter. So I go to the, I go to the local Lowe's here to pick up my my dryer vent cover, and <laughs> almost every woman in Lowe's had a mask on. I was the only guy who had a mask on, and it was hilarious to see. As I would walk by a couple, I would have men look at me, and it, the. The look of disdain was for two reasons. One, they gave me a, what kind of man are you wearing that bandana mask? <laughs> 
And the other part of the look was, and I looked a couple times to see, you know, back after I passed, it was, oh, crap, my wife, girlfriend, whatever, is going to give me crap. Right? Because I said no man was going to walk into Lowe's with a mask on. And sure enough, at least two couples, I saw the woman turn to the guy. And, you know, it was, oh, see, I told you there would be men in Lowe's that were wearing masks. So I was in Target yesterday. Um my wife did wear a mask. I did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw plenty of men and women in masks. I saw people with, with rubber gloves. Mm-hmm. So this is the stuff I, I don't mind at all. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. And culturally, we're going to start seeing people who are sick wearing masks like you see in Asian cultures. I don't think that's the end of the world, man. Like, like if, if this is what we learn from, from this and we, we start taking a little more... <laughs> Not seriously, or rather personally, right? This, this. well, I can do something to protect myself. Well, then that's fine. If people want to do that, that's fine. I, I think the gloves are a little intense, but not, neither here nor there. And I think you're going to see people designing, you know, custom masks and, and you know, sports masks. And people are going to have fun with it. They're going to, you know, have, have personalities with it, like, like they put their covers on their smartphones. I don't think that's the worst thing in, in in the world. It's different than if the government says you have to wear a mask. In Philadelphia, a man was dragged off of a bus because he wasn't wearing a mask by the police. That's insane. And every cop needs to lose their job and lose their pension and go to jail. And we're, I, I, I noticed... I didn't see all the faces of the police officers, but I didn't see many masks being worn by the police while they were dragging this guy off the bus for not wearing a mask. If you want people, if you're going to demand them wear masks, you have to buy them the masks. So let the federal government supply every American with masks. You mean I have to buy the mask? It's the same reason I oppose Obamacare. Don't tell me that you can force me into contract about health care. If I don't want it, I'm not buying it. If I have decided I have some other value to my dollar than having health insurance, that's what I decided. I didn't say it was the right decision. I didn't say it was a smart decision. I'm saying it's your decision. And that personal responsibility decision is everything, which is why I believe in opening it all up. In the state of Michigan, your beloved Michigan, where you are a radio host on Wham Talk 1600, Fingers Malloy. You know the area well. Uh, you have spent time there. Uh, you have left a trail of brokenhearted women throughout the state. I'm talking about the whole hand and the Upper Peninsula. The governor, Gretchen Whitmer, who is on the short list for vice president for Joe Biden, which we got to talk about the fact that Bernie dropped out of the race because Bernie's out of the race. I got to get into that. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer has decided that you're not allowed to sell non-essential items and non-essential items include tomato seeds. If you want to grow a garden and grow your own food, sorry, you're not allowed to buy seeds. Where is the recall effort on Gretchen Whitmer? I have plenty of friends and family in Michigan and plenty of Republican conservative friends in Michigan who really didn't have much of a problem with Whitmer so far. But this has made people completely lose their minds up there. And for good reason, the government telling you what is essential and not essential to buy. And they're roping off electronics. They're roping off, like you said, tomato seeds. You're already in the target and you're buying a a box of cereal. And that's like, oh, I'll buy a football for the kids so they can play outside. And like, oh, sorry, that you can't buy. Yeah. Or listen, it's Easter. 
Cadbury eggs are essential <laughs> products that you can buy. <laughs> Tomato seeds are not. I am offended by this whole notion. What if, okay, you've got the clothing wrapped off. If you've got electronics with yellow tape around it saying people can't buy it. What if you're a trucker and you need, say, a, a phone charger? The government says, no, you're not allowed to buy that. Not everyone who is considered an essential American worker right now has access to their closet, has access to their homes. And the government is stepping in and saying, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to buy these things because we don't think it's essential. It, it's, it's outrageous. So this is where the question of should we have shut down the economy? Should we have done what we've done comes into play? We all come full circle. Now, I am uh, a little bit through my, my uh, Hotel Tango uh, Bravo bourbon. Uh, it, it, it is, for a 90, it's, it is. It's stronger than, than other 90s out there. I don't know what it is that they're doing mm. on this, but this has got... Just for whatever reason, a hit. It's got a, it's got some nice caramel. It is a darker, darker amber um, that, than some other ones I've come across as bourbons. But there is a hit. I don't know if it's a touch medicinal or whatever. Um, but I, you know, it's it just goes to show that every distillery is going to do something a little bit different, and you're going to find your favorite things, and you're gonna and you're gonna roll with them. And distillery to distillery are going to create really interesting products that, for any other reason, would would be the same. Now, what number beer are you on? I'm nursing this one beer. You're the saddest. It's still, it's, it's still early in the afternoon. I don't want to start day drinking. Uh, I'm, I'm halfway through the beer, and I'm, I'm really trying to nurse this, but I, I can't stop drinking it. And it's pairing well with my cigar, which I don't know if you wanted to get into the did – you, Did you say what you were smoking, Tony? Did no, I, I, no I, I, haven't, I don't think we've gotten into cigars. I okay, am we'll do doing – I'm doing an Avo. I'm doing a domain number 70. This is – a monster of a, of a cigar. Now, I'm telling you what, I, I, this is bigger than a 6x54. I think this was a 56. This is a big, big pup. Medium to full, um, but I, I guess you'd call it a Toro. For whatever reason, it seems a little a little thicker than a Toro, right? So 6 refers to 6 inches in length. T. And thank you. I always appreciate the laugh. And 54 refers to the ring gauge, how thick it is around. T. Again. Thank you. Uh, I like Avo. I like what they do. I'm a massive fan of the Avo Lounge, which is a very, very mild cigar, but just it. I just find it to be wonderful. If I did breakfast cigars, I would be an Avo Lounge guy for breakfast. I just, I just find it so absolutely, totally enjoyable all the time. This has some, some more uh, strength to it. This has some more, uh, some, some, some more uh, punch. It has a nice coffee feel uh to it at least uh for for me uh that that it does i actually have coffee with me to go along with the bourbon because i become that guy coffee is everything now now i'm trying different coffees to go with different cigars to see if the more acidic or the more fruity or the more earth tone of the, of the coffee i can pick up and maybe accentuate things in a cigar like that's where i've uh, I'm, I'm going uh, fully. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing the Avo Domain. And I got to admit, uh, I smoke enough that there's nothing about this medium full that would give me a buzz. But there is a wonderful flavor. There is a wonderful cream that continues to exist in the palate. And sometimes you don't always uh, get that. What are, you, what are you doing? Well, I don't know if we've ever done one of these uh, before. Uh, an A.J. Fernandez. Have we smoked an A.J. Fernandez we before? Are on the show? show? Never. In my life, Yes. 
Uh, well, I'm smoking an AJ Fernandez New World Gobernador. Is that how you would pronounce it, Tony? Uh, Gobernador. I don't Toro. know. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. The, I don't know the cigar. Yeah, a Gobernador Toro. It is six and a half inches long, Tony. Well, oh, am I supposed oh, to yeah, laugh yeah. now? Uh, oh, see. All right, I got to do my own teehee. All right, it's, it's it's six and a half inches, and the ring gauge is fifty-five. Okay, so that's a big that's a big honker. Yeah, and it's all Nicaraguan through and through, wrapper, binder, and the filler. And so far, it's it's supposed to be medium to full. Uh, it to me, uh, creamy. It's got a little bit of cocoa and 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 some spice. I'm I'm really enjoying it right now. I'm already halfway through it. Yeah, and, I just uh, finished the the first third of of mine, which is uh, an Ecuadorian Connecticut uh, wrapper uh, with some Cuban seed sun grown, and the binder and filler are all Dominican. This thing should be spicier, but it has. Uh, I was trying to figure out the flavor because I thought it was creamy, and I was going through how how the people at at Davidoff of Avo uh, call it, and they refer to it as flavors of butter. I'm like, okay, mm. so that's a different way of, of thinking of creamy, but I I get that that makes sense to me. I never would have come up with butter. We're not it's not a way I've ever described a cigar before, um, but it, it's I'm I'm enjoying the, the the daylights out of it. But Dominicans usually have a little more spice, and for me, the Nicaraguans, like you're smoking, have a little bit more of that earth uh, kind of flavor, those leather notes and, and things like that. Um, but if you get a little spice, you get a little spice. I don't think there's anything wrong spice. with that. I guess uh, from what I've read, this the 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 filler, the tobacco that they use, comes from three different regions of Nicaragua. Um, I don't know enough about how the tobacco differs from each region of Nicaragua. Uh, but I look, I'm enjoying the heck out of this. And if, I, I've seen on the internet, it, you can get it anywhere from six to $11 a stick. I w- bought locally here and I paid nine seventy five for it. And I'm really happy with it. Uh, uh, now all the cigars I've been buying during this have been local. I've been doing the, the, the curbside. Uh, I often say buy local, don't buy from, from the online shops. And I get the online shops can give crazy deals. And then there are are some really cool, and I am a proponent of these for sure. These cigar bidding sites, we'll do a review of them. There are sites where they have like, okay, we have a lot of this, or we have a box of these, or we have five of these, and then you can bid on them, like oh, eBay. Nice. It's really, really cool. Um, and so there's a bunch of those we've never talked about that, that I would talk about. I'm totally fine with that because there are some things where if you can find something rare, find something you love, you can get yourself a deal, do it. Of, of course that you should. Uh, I, I agree with that. But especially in these times, the cigar shops are being closed because many of them are considered non-essential. Some of them do do packaged goods. Some of them do do food. So they are able to stay open. But it's just been it's just been absolutely brutal. On them, so where you can support your local cigar shop, call them, ask them what they've got, see what you can pre-order, and then go uh, pick up and and do that uh, if you can. I think that's very, very, very helpful to do. And I've been trying. I've been, I have spent more on cigars in the past three weeks than I have in a long time. <laughs> well, I'm freaking out right now. I'm running out of butane for my lighter, so I'm oh, definitely going to have to go back and get because I don't want to light it with a bic, Tony. No, you don't. Well, not if you don't. If you if you love yourself, you don't. You don't want to do that. That's all I'm saying. Now, I, I, I wanted to get back to this conversation because uh, where we had, had started with is certainly the ideas of personal responsibility uh, and this whole lockdown. And I said from the beginning, I don't favor the lockdown. 
And so there's a lot of conversation of why you don't favor it. Uh, I, when I, I've said this before, I had tweeted out, you can't save society by stopping society. And someone wrote back uh, a, uh, a so-called media figure. Uh, this guy is going to get people killed. I'm not going to get anybody killed. What a disgusting thing to say. What I said is, is that you can't stop society to save it. And I absolutely am willing to double down and triple down on the very idea that this full lockdown didn't make any sense and certainly doesn't make any sense in a tremendous part of the country. Maybe in the tri-state area of New York it made sense. Does not make sense in many places in the Midwest. It does not. It might make sense, for example, in Detroit. It doesn't necessarily make sense in Grand Rapids. So we've made a mistake here. And the mistake is now being compounded in this conversation about how to get open. And you're finally starting to hear people talk about, and government agencies talk about, governors talking about, how do we get open? We need to have a plan. First, it's not up to the federal government to decide when some state can have businesses open. It's up to governors, and really it's up to the citizens. We are the ones who decide when we get open. You already have Greg Abbott in Texas talking about plans to open things up sooner rather than later. And a lot of people are talking about how you have to roll this out slowly. I want to right now give the opposite view, which I think is the right view. Because the decision about opening cannot be done through any government planning. The decision to open has to be one thing. You can open your business. And that has to happen immediately. Even now. It has to happen immediately. What will then follow is culturally people will decide when they feel comfortable. And that matters. We have given up this idea of the personal responsibility and of how we move things culturally. If indeed we will become the culture that wears masks when we're sick. We don't shake hands like we used to. We don't kiss somebody or hug somebody when we see them. That could happen. And it might not happen for the whole of the country, but people could certainly change their behaviors. Uh, an event happening, you change your behavior, that's standard. That makes perfect sense. You could say, well, I think that's living in fear. Therefore, you've made a decision not to make that change. But somebody else could say, you know what? This is a change that makes me feel comfortable. I'm going with it. And since it's my choice, what does it matter? Absolutely. I'm totally in. The same thing is true about opening things up. I originally thought that you could open up salons, you can open up restaurants and tell them they have to space people apart or every other table. I no longer think that. The restaurant will make the decision. Costco decided they were going to be open and it was a supermarket chain up in the Northeast called Stop and Shop. They were going to be open in the first hour and a half of every morning for people over the age of 60. So the place was clean and they would feel much safer about going in and not catching anything. You didn't need government to do that. They figured it out by themselves. We talked about this with, with, with supermarkets doing this. Then you had Costco figuring out how to pace people six feet apart and staggering their coming in. Now everybody does this. The market figured it out, and then other people within the marketplace stole the idea because it was a good idea, and people accepted it as, yes, that's exactly what we want. Great thinking. People were like, hot damn, let's go do this. Government wasn't necessary. The same thing will be true about opening up the country. Open up today and watch the market come up with the systems. The follow-up is that the people will decide, man, if you don't feel safe about going out to eat, you won't. And if you feel safe about going out to eat, you will. And two weeks from now, if you then feel safe about going out to eat, you will. And maybe some people won't. And that's how it will work. Naturally, it will work. 
But it's the same thing about whether or not you want to buy a football when you're at at, at Target or you want to buy seeds to, to grow a tomato. Uh, in, in Michigan, you get to make that call. Government can't make it. If you want to go to church, I think you're making a mistake because I don't think God cares where you pray from. I don't I don't think God actually has a concern about such things. If God does, God's more petty than I thought. And sometimes I think God's really petty. But you 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 get to making you making this call, you making this decision is the only thing that matters and society will slowly figure its way back by doing just this. Well, I and I don't have a problem with governors using their office as a bully pulpit. To try to suggest. different conversation. I agree with you yeah. there. Uh, you take Michigan for example. Michigan is a lot like what Bernie Sanders would refer to as his summer camps. <laughs> you, know, you have a lot I have a summer people. camp because summer I'm camp. a socialist. <laughs> right. Three you houses. What's the big deal? One for me, Everybody one for the wife, and one for the high holidays. <laughs> well, Mi- Michigan. You, you have many people in the state of Michigan who own a place up north. And one of the things that Governor Whitmer, who, in my opinion, is looking at this as her time to shine to show why she should be on the, uh, the, the Democratic ticket in November. Uh, she is part of her stay at home executive order is ordering people not to go to their Summer camps to their own home. They have a second home and she's saying, nope. Yep. Nope. Because a lot of people in the Detroit area, because Detroit is being hit hard right now, are going to their places up north. Chicago. There are a lot of people who live in Chicago who have places up in Traverse City. So you're having this exodus of people from the hot spots going up north and you're you're hearing stories that the hospitals up north they don't have the capacity to handle these coronavirus patients that are coming in i wouldn't have a problem with the governor saying listen you could you need to know that if you go up north and you get stricken by the coronavirus to the point where you need hospitalization you may not be able to get into a hospital you and then you make your own business decision as to whether you go up there. But for the government, heavy hand to come down and say, "Oh, oh you're not permitted." I, listen, I think a lot of people in Michigan are going to ignore it and do what they do. But I think it's obscene that you're gonna you're gonna tell people that they can't go to another home that they own in the state. And 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 too often we have people who will nod along in approval and say, "Well, you really shouldn't do that." And I again, it it alarms me. How many people are going along with this and saying, yeah, it's okay for the government to do this? It's, it's gross. The willingness, the desire to, to give up rights, it's, 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 not what we sh- it's not what we should do. Now, we were talking about Gretchen Whitmer. You're talking about her possibly being on the ticket. I want to get into that. But Fanimation, your ceiling fan professionals who have been still selling and still doing things throughout all of coronavirus, still in business, still taking care of people, ceiling fans for the indoor, for the outdoor, and you've been home. And you know your ceiling fan sucks. You've been hearing the squeaking. You've been, you know, you've been doing movie night with the family, and you can't hear it because all you hear is that fan going. Get yourself a Fanimation ceiling fan, totally customizable, whisper quiet motors, incredible uh, 
construction. You're going to love what they do. Fanimation.com. On Facebook, Fanimation, F-A-N-I-M-A-T-I-O-N. Check them out for yourself. Tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Fanimation is fantastic. They have been great. They have stuck with us through this, and I appreciate them tremendously. You should, too, and get yourself a new ceiling fan. Uh, your house your house is worth it, and you've been in it enough to know that that's something you can actually do and replace uh, all by yourself if, if you need to. Otherwise, when you get the stimulus check, you'll hire an electrician, and the Fanimation fan will be in there. That's a twofer right there. Fanimation, Fanimation.com. Bernie Sanders drops out of the race, and I'm telling you, it was knocked me over with a feather because when I heard it, I was, I was on air, and it happened, and, and so I'm, I'm broadcasting from home these days, which is another bit of ridiculousness, but I love broadcasting from home. It's ridiculous that I have to, that they've said, hey, we want people to stay. You know what? I shouldn't say it's ridiculous. I get it. The, the, the office was like, hey, if you can stay home, stay home. And me, I'm a, I'm a one-man show, so I, I, I could stay home and I can do it. What I have found is that I love it, and I'm not interested in going back to the studio. <laughs> I I usually get up at 3.40 in the morning, and sometimes I allow myself to sleep into 4.10. And then I get ready, and I drive down to the station, and, and the show starts at 6. I wake up at 5.15 now. I roll, I, I roll into the studio at 5.45. I grab any new audio uh, that happened uh, during uh, the overnight or anything I missed. I'm ready to go. I'm never going back. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. This is amazing and fantastic. It's a dream come true. I'm done. I'm done. I'm set. I'm good. I'm fine. It's been a wonderful uh, awakening. So, I, But what I don't have is like the TVs in the studio where I'm able to keep an eye on things and watch things as I'm talking. And my producer busts in and says, Bernie dropped out. And I'm like, what? What in the world? The best is he drops out of the race saying Joe Biden will be the nominee. And then he follows up by saying, uh, but I want everyone to know it's important that our voice is heard, so I'm going to stay on the ballot in all the other states. We're going to keep amassing delegates so we can exert uh, sufficient uh, pressure on what the platform will be. Does that sound like a guy who dropped out of the race to you? No. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a guy, it sounds like, who was under pressure to drop out because of having voters show up at polling places Oh, like what waiting. happened in Wisconsin? Yes. Uh, but my question is, Tony, did the DNC throw some cash at him? Uh, <laughs> did they pressure him? Did they threaten him uh, or all the above? Or was it just out of the goodness of his heart that he was general, uh, genuinely worried about people going to the polling place? So here's what I think happened. If he was worried about people going to the polling place, like in Wisconsin, he would have done it before. Right. He would have done it before. Uh, Secondly, uh, the Wisconsin move was weird because the way the Democratic governor, Tony Evers, tried to move the uh, date was kind of awkward. That Republicans weren't interested in moving the date. Also a bit awkward. In Indiana, they moved the date from May 5th to June 2nd or June 9th, something like that. And it was a very, very easy process. But the law may be different in Indiana than in Wisconsin. They also wanted to be able to say in Wisconsin that if the vote was on a Tuesday and your ballot, your mail-in ballot was postmarked Thursday afterwards, oh, that's cool. That's fine. Absolutely no problem. And the Supreme Court was like, yeah, no. And amazingly, that was only a 5-4 decision. What do Ginsburg and Sotomayor and, and Kagan and Breyer actually think? How could that be something you're okay with? Now, there may be something within this ruling that I don't quite understand. I'm willing to listen to people about it. But on its face, I don't understand how they went went that way. Bernie is doing this because Bernie has made, I think, the right calculation. And the right calculation is 
You can't win when you can't campaign. You can't go out there and try and get people. The entire news cycle has been taken away. Biden doesn't even exist. So why am I going to waste capital? Why am I going to keep having the staff? None of it matters. Stop. Stop having the staff. Stop having everything. The Bernie bros are never going to vote for Biden. They're going to do everything they can to screw Biden and screw the DNC. That's not going to change. So stay on the ballots. Pick up whatever delegates you can. And then when a convention finally comes and Joe Biden has himself an issue, which you and I both know is really possible, because Joe Biden can't string together four sentences. He had one good debate when they moved it from Arizona to D.C. and it was just the two of them on the stage there on CNN. He had one good debate. He actually sounded, for the most part, normal compared to Bernie Sanders, even though Joe Biden's policies, I think, are very bad. And so that, that was rare. That's not going to be the thing in his televised interviews and everything else he's doing from his house. He sounds ridiculous. He th- he can't speak the English language. It's a mess. So Bernie Sanders says, I'll wait and see. I've got delegates. I'll exert pressure. And if something goes wrong, well, clearly I should be the nominee. He's That's the way I think he's playing it. Maybe he knows he won't get the nomination, but this is the best chance he has to spend no money and still have an opportunity to get the nomination. I'm looking at, at Elizabeth Warren, who suspended her campaign, who was who is the female Bernie, and I'm saying, why doesn't she get back into this race? <laughs> she's got nothing to lose. She right? she hates Joe Biden. There's no way she supports Joe Biden. I can't imagine that she gives a full throated endorsement to Joe Biden. It's interesting. You look at the 2016 race, and you had Democrats get on their soapbox talking about how. They couldn't understand Republicans voting for a horrible human being in Donald Trump. That's how they would phrase it. Meanwhile, they're trying to convince you to vote for Hillary Clinton. And now in 2020, they're putting up a candidate who, you know, the, the critic, one of the criticisms from the left is, oh, my gosh, Trump, when he gets in front of a microphone, he's got the, the vocabulary of a fifth grader. And what are they doing? They're nominating a guy who can't put three sentences together. It's, it's fascinating to watch. And. You know, there. I don't know if you know this or not, Tony. I'm sure you do, but I don't know if you're, you've subjected yourself to listen to it. Uh, subjected yourself to listening to it. Joe Biden came out with a podcast. Oh yes, he did. Here's the deal with Joe Biden. It's supposed to, it's it's being sold to the American people as a calming voice in troubling times. Right. He he can't even host a podcast, Tony. He he his podcast. It's like he's Larry King. I expect him at one point to say, uh, Joe from Walla Walla, hello. <laughs> He's the host of a podcast where he brings on other people to sell his agenda for the American public because he can't do it as himself. So they put a sheet in front of him to ask questions of a guest to sell his agenda. It's it's unbelievable to watch. And now I think you're seeing Democrats with buyer's remorse. Where it's like they keep thinking that old Uncle Joe's going to come back, and he he he's not capable. I don't think. I think it's been proven during this campaign that he. I to me the best thing would be for him, and this is against all the political instincts. I'm sure of his advisors, the consultant class. He needs to be quiet. And, and, and just ride this through. Instead, they're trying to put him out there, and it's just proving over and over again 
that he is not a good advocate for the Democrats' agenda because he cannot be an effective candidate. He cannot articulate his vision for the public. So I agree no. with you. you. You have to have candidates out there who dropped out who are thinking, I I dropped out for this guy? Yeah. No, no. Uh, d- uh, 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 Pete Buttigieg went on to The View to talk about uh, uh, Trump and Trump's response to coronavirus and this and that and how important the election is because people realize there's a big difference between Donald Trump and the alternative. The alternative's name is Joe Biden. Why don't you say him by name? The alternative? Because maybe somewhere Pete Buttigieg knows it might not be Joe Biden, which makes it even more strange because if you know Joe Biden isn't capable, why in the world, why in the world would you so full-throated endorse him, including going down to Texas where he was and speaking at one of his rallies? Very. I mean, the, the whole thing is is peculiar and, 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 and odd. And I, so that's my take on Bernie. But I got to tell you, the idea of Gretchen Whitmer as, as vice presidential candidate, um, it's possible it's very, very possible because he's so desperate to need Michigan. But I think you're right that Whitmer has so damaged herself in Michigan that they it, it could just be used against Biden in every way possible. And without Michigan, the, the road to election is extremely difficult. I don't believe that Biden takes Florida over, over Donald Trump, even with everything that's going on. I don't see it. Although we won't know how things really work. Until October, which is kind of interesting. There's no there's no data now that will give you enough to figure out where people are and their right. heads are um, when, uh, you know, when 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 October comes around. There's nothing now that you can do. We still have a lot of things that are going to go on with coronavirus, I think, to figure that out. Uh, but I think Whitmer could have been the right choice. And then Whitmer decided to show herself and prove herself as a big leader. And it became a really bad choice. Well, it's clear that the Democrats were trying to up her profile really since the beginning of the year. And this was at least thought of as the possible VP nominee because they had her give the response to the State of the Union address. And it was all about potholes. Uh, and, you know, that's great. Uh, by the way, there's still lots of potholes in Michigan. Right. Uh, to, to let you know, I can drive uh, in the passenger seat with my eyes closed going from Indiana into Michigan, and I know when we cross the border just based on the road conditions in, in Michigan. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if she has hurt herself within the the population and the voting public in the state of Michigan, because I'm telling you, and this is all anecdotal, and I, and I of course, the, the people that I follow for the most part in Michigan are conservative. So maybe, maybe this is being applauded throughout the state, but I'm seeing even people who are apolitical, who are just absolutely up in arms over some of these uh, restrictions. It's draconian. It's yes. draconian. And the question is, when do the people fight back? Now, speaking of fighting back, and I'm getting a light drizzle here where I am. I don't know about you. A little um, bit, yeah. I'm getting a little bit of rain. So uh, I, before we go, did you see Alyssa Milano's video about how people have to stop buying guns during coronavirus because, you know, we can't have this panic buying because they could be used in a, in a school or in a church. She thinks if you buy a firearm, because a lot of people bought firearms because of coronavirus. I know gun stores that have been sold out and they're like, listen, we're not opening again until we get our shipment. There's no sense. We have nothing to sell people, which is amazing. Um, but her answer is you shouldn't be able to buy a gun or you shouldn't buy a gun because, uh, well, uh, people, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an epidemic. It's a pandemic. It's a crisis. And people are going to use them for other things. How little faith do you have in the American people? 
How little faith do you have in humanity if this is the way you go? It's out of, it, she is so out of her head. And she has also be clowned herself because she supports Joe Biden. But Joe Biden has been accused of sexual impropriety. And nobody's talking about it. No media's talking about it. And she's like, well, since nobody's really talking about it, and I've known Joe for 15 years, I'm going to keep supporting him. And the whole Me Too movement movement was like, you're a hypocrite. You're you're a fraud. You're insane. And then she comes out with this video about not buying a gun. So I want to say to people, now is a good time to buy guns and buy ammunition. There's never a time where it's wrong to buy a gun or buy ammunition because just like your First Amendment rights haven't been taken away, your Second Amendment rights haven't been taken away, and you have to go out and exercise them. If you don't want to buy a gun, don't buy a gun. But if you want to buy a gun, feel free. Well, I disagree with you about the media not talking about it. Did you see how social media blew up over a New York Times piece today talking about it, about Biden's uh, no accuser and sexual. L- listen to this quote that has been all over social media on Easter Sunday. It's from the New York Times. We found no pattern of sexual misconduct conduct by Biden beyond hugs, kisses, and touching that women previously said made them uncomfortable. Oh, oh, so that's fine now. Apparently, oh. according to the New York Times. Okay, ask ask Clarence Thomas. If he got the same treatment from the New York Times. Right. Good Lord. That's, I have not read that. That's just, I mean, uh, let's go back to why people don't trust the media. We're done here. Oh my God. (laughs) It's how you can't do this to people and have them say, oh, that's normal. They know you're full of crap. They know you're full of it. And, and they don't, and, and the New York Times and the CNN and the Washington Post, they don't get it. They refuse to get it. It doesn't matter to them. Just keep moving the agenda forward. For, forget truth, forget facts, forget journalism, forget integrity. Move the agenda forward at all costs. The ends justify the means. What else matters? It's unreal. Unreal. That's Fingers Malloy, by the way. Fingersmalloy.com. Uh, you can also catch the Enough Already podcast over there and find him at Wham Talk 1600. Uh, Fingers Malloy on the Twitter box. Find me, TonyCats.com. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz. And if you have not subscribed to the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, which I should have mentioned throughout the podcast, I always forget. I'm like the worst at that. I'm the worst at the self-promotion of the podcast. Subscribe, write a review, leave a five-star review. Tell friends, share it. What, you got something else to do? You're home all day. You're going to talk to the kids some more? Go share the podcast. Be good people. That's all there is to it. Uh, Next week, we're doing this uh, face-to-face? Yes. That's definitely happening. We're not in Michigan. That's right. We're not in Michigan. And for now, we're still in America. So so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.